What's a game plan? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Yeah. So I guess we need like a a welcome to our podcast kind of spiel. I mean, welcome to our podcast. Sounds great to me. Oh, this is the first episode of Bistitual, a queer Canadian crafty podcast. Well, I'm Kelsey. I am primarily a knitter, but I also crochet when the occasion strikes. Um, I am bi and ace and autistic and depressed and anxious and a whole bunch of other things. Um, and a bunch of fun by stereotypes, and I'm excited to do this podcast with my bud. <laughs> I'm John. I crochet, but I also knit. Um, I am a cafe manager. Um, I talk about my kids from work often. They are not children. They're <laughs> mostly between like 17 and 22, 23. But they are my children, and I love them. Um, I'm bi and trans and gray ace and poly and have never been formally diagnosed with anything, but definitely anxiety. Oh, yeah. Um, I have two good cats. The best cats. talk about them a lot because... They like to walk in front of the computer and sit on the keyboard when I'm using it. That's it. That's all I got. There's nothing more to me. Um, how many bisexual stereotypes do you fit into? I can't sit on a chair properly. Mm-hmm. A classic. I remember, yeah, I, you caught me sitting on your couch one time and then asked Dominic if I, if I was bi. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Yes. <laughs> doing the owl pose which is like, like curled up in a corner here. like yeah. <laughs> i don't know what are the bi stereotypes i cannot for the life of me make a decision but that's also because i'm a libra Ooh, ooh big Double libra batter. energy over here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um can you drive no do you wear denim and or flannel both at the same time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how often are your ankles showing Never. Not a cuffs jeans buy? No. Interesting. I'm very much. Even if I cuff my pants, I wear like blundstones or like chucks. So they're like mm -hmm. high tops. I feel like there's two. There's like the cuffed pant buy, who wears like boat shoes or flats. And then there's like the cool shoes buy, who wears docks or blundstones. Okay, well, to be fair, I would wear, like, skinny jeans with the cuffs, like, rolled, but, like, just to the to the top of the boots. <laughs> I didn't realize, like, there um, were so an... many stereotypes. Oh, there's so many. What are the fun ones? Are you asking me what about you? Where do you fall into these? Um, sit like a weirdo. Can't drive. Decisions are for straight people. Uh, flannel and denim, always both, totally. Um, I oh, don't know undercut. if I've ever seen you wear long pants. 
So my angles are always showing. <laughs> exactly. Undercuts, I don't have an undercut, but every now and then I dial my hair and then a couple months after that, I shave everything with the top. So mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. a couple inches, so I don't know if that would count as an undercut. Kind of. Side shave. Faux, faux hawk. Um, and then I shave all that off. And it's just like a six-month cycle. Your hair is always, it's, a, it's always a new adventure, and I very much appreciate that. I was going back, so my, my, what did I say? This year on May 5th, I turned nine in trans years. Um, and I was going back through photos because, like, every year I take a photo and I realize that May 5th falls in the shaved head part of the cycle because I don't think I, I rarely have any photos on May 5th with, like, longer than than a couple inches. Like, oh, wow. not even, like, like an inch. So that, that was an in- interesting thing that I noticed. <laughs> um, are you a finger guns or a peace sign by? Finger guns. Finger guns and also a thumbs up. Yes. I do a confident finger finger guns and an awkward thumbs up. Awkward finger guns, like. Oh yeah, that's oh, and the back away. Yeah, and the back away. Like, it's away. a retreat. It's like a cool, awkward retreat. Definitely cool. That's yeah. definitely what definitely people think cool. when I see it. <laughs> like this is so okay. <laughs> and then you retreat into the hedge. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Um, oh, my horoscope. Ooh, ooh, I am super fun. Uh, Cancer, sun, and moon. So sorry for all the emotions. And a Libra rising. I am Libra, sun, moon, Mercury, and Mars with a Scorpio rising. You just, you had to show me up, huh? <laughs> Awkward finger guns. <laughs> um, but yeah, here, that was a fun thing that we did, thought we were going to do was um, do like a, fuck, what's it called? A thing you are based on your. Personality quizzes. Yeah. Not, based like, on your horoscope. Because based, horoscopes yeah. are very by culture. I feel like we need to do that again, but actually say words instead of just fucking. I mean, you definitely said words. I said words. I don't know if I can compile them into a proper sentence. You could probably edit a sentence out of them. I don't know about that. Anyway, we thought that we would do a little segment. I think it'd be a super quick segment or whatever um, in each episode where we'd be like, here's the thing you are based on your zodiac sign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I just pulled up real quick which um, Starbucks drink you are based on your star sign. Oh, interesting. So you are Cancer. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you are a honey citrus mint tea. Ooh. <laughs> you were extremely unimpressed with that. Oh, I don't like any of that. First of all, I've, I've been doing this uh, Starbucks boycott since I did that deal with, deal with Nestle. Second of all, I, I mean, I do like citrus mint tea, actually. Is there a description? Um, let me see. Nope. I, hmm. I don't know how I feel about the honey. But I mean, like, I don't think I would want it if um, the drink itself was, like, 
honey in the tea, like a honey flavoring in the tea or whatever. But if I got the tea, I would add honey to it. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I want it to just be like bitter and dark. Like my soul. Yeah, I was waiting for that. <laughs> if you had a Tumblr, the like headline would be like, welcome to my twisted mind. It would be that. Actually, that was very similar to my MySpace. I never had a MySpace. I am a flat white with signature espresso. Oh, fancy. I prefer the blonde roast over the signature roast, but I do like flat whites because I want more coffee and less milk. That Was that a flat white like with an additional espresso? Because that is very you. With extra espresso? Is that what it was? No, 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 no. Like yeah. just, just with the regular roast instead of the blonde roast. Okay. I just find their like signature roast taste burnt. A little, a little burnt. A little burnt. Not great. Okay, well, if we have a Starbucks boycotter in the in the group, we can't do that. Which Starbucks boycotter? Yeah, I mean, I work in a coffee shop, so I don't get um, coffee elsewhere very often because mm-hmm. I can just drink it for free. Fancy. That fancy coffee machine now. It's super not fancy. Looked fancy. Um, my my go-to lately has been an iced oat milk, like cappuccino, I guess. Like oh. less less milk than a latte, um, but oat milk is so good. Which. Hmm. Disney princess are you based on your zodiac sign? I feel like both my personality and social awkwardness and like reclusive tendencies and also dating history would lead me to be Belle. To be Belle, okay. <laughs> um, who would I be? I don't remember the last time I watched like a Disney movie with a Disney princess in it. Hmm. But I'm trans, so I'll take Mulan. Fair. <laughs> Fair. Big bye to end trans culture. Um, true. Yeah, bye too. Um, so, Cancer. Um, I will read it, and then you have to guess which princess. Okay. Cancers are imaginative, emotional, and highly sensitive. They are soft and alluring. You're an often a... Na- Often an enigma, and others should not be surprised if and when you are flighty, mysterious, and eccentric. Is it Ariel? Better not be Ariel. Ruled by the moon, cancers are ever-changing and elusive, but once someone is beguiled by one, they won't soon forget them. Ah, fuck, it's Ariel. No. No? Nope. Is it Sleeping Beauty? Nope. Uh? Cinderella. What? (laughs) Boo! But also, leaving parties early without saying goodbye is totally my jam. You lose your shoes often. I do. How? And I've had a number of people that I talk to briefly at social engagements track me down on social media, even though I didn't want them to, and try to initiate some sort of relationship. So, all right. You can see it. Um, mine, Librans love harmony, consistency, and peace. You're generally fair, non-confrontational, cooperative, and romantic. You definitely believe in finding your happily ever after. No way. You are, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're gentle and kind, albeit uh, I, a bit idealistic. Uh, Librans love to be outside, seek serenity in their relationships and life in general. A big mood. That's you as heck. I am super non-confrontational. I super like peace and I don't like people to be upset ever. I believe in maintaining the peace. Unless you're throwing, overthrowing an oppressive regime. Yeah, we love conflict then. Defund the police. Defund the police. Um, yeah, that's you attack. Yeah. Um, why are we doing this podcast? What, that's a great what, question, John. What prompted us to do this podcast? Is that I listened to a podcast and got obsessed with it. And then I was like, hey, we should <laughs> jokingly started talking about us doing a podcast and then it turned into a real thing. It, John, it turned into a real thing because then the next day you made a logo and a website. <laughs> because, no, this was not the next day. This was after you texted me something. I, I texted you. I asked you what the name of our podcast would be. You know, I can't turn, I can't turn down an opportunity for puns. <laughs> Um, and then, and then, and then, and then, like a couple and of days you made later, a website you, and a logo. This was after you had said something like, are we actually serious about this? Cause I can't stop thinking about it. And I was like, yeah, same. Um, yeah, so then true. we had a zoom meeting to discuss whether or not we were actually doing this. Mm, yes. So it's really, really it's all on you. It was a, it was a team effort, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> um well since you first brought up the idea why are we doing it be gay do crafts be gay do crafts because a lot of the podcasts that i found like i after i binged um keep calm and carry yarn i wanted to listen to more podcasts about crafting and <laughs> I found a few that were like still active because I've noticed that like I was on Overcast and like Stitcher and stuff and like looking for podcasts and there were a few that were no longer active or some that like only update like a couple times a year. And a lot of them were things that I had trouble relating to as <laughs> big old by trans poly queer <laughs> disaster queer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to make something because I'm sure there are other disaster queer yarn folk out there like you like me and they're probably Exactly like us, and they're too awkward and nervous and anxious to go to yarn meetups, so they don't. And or they then, try oh. and then sit there in a corner hoping that the dog will come talk to them. And the worst part is the dog didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like the most rejected I've ever felt. Oh, it was rough. It was real rough. She was so shiny. Um, but yeah, for, I guess, context to that, uh, John and I met, let's, yeah, let's do like a flashback. John and I met two years ago? Year and a couple months. 
year and a couple months ago, uh, we were dating the same person and I had heard a lot about him and I was excited to meet him, but was too much of a disaster to get my shit together in time. So he showed up at my house and I was running around frantically trying to find a knitting project to take, a backup knitting project to take in case I finished that project and also my lipstick and also find pants. Um, <laughs> we didn't get much of a chance to talk. No, cause you were on your way to meet Alex. Amelia. Amelia. Way back in the day, I think. Yeah, I never stressed about getting ready for to meet Alex. <laughs> if I was flustered about meeting someone, it was definitely a million. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, after so, yeah, that you time, were like, Yeah, like, don't look at me. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but then after that, I wanted to redeem myself by being friends with you. But that was an awkward first impression. And then also, all of my other impressions were awkward because I'm just... I, that that's just me all the time. I don't get better than that. <laughs> <laughs> so I then started inviting you to knitting events with the double the double intention of making you be friends with me and also having a friend with Kyle. Oh, well, I wasn't gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to talk to Kyle, and I did not do that. Um, but yeah, having a backup buddy at events so I could maybe try to go and engage with this community that I desperately want to be a part of and have a very hard time engaging with. Um, yeah, like the, the first one we went to was like explicitly a queer knit night. And it was just so uncomfortable because... It was a very specific demographic of queers. It wasn't disaster queers. It was not disaster queers. <laughs> I make friends by sharing trauma stories and bonding over trauma. And if people know how to small talk and like fuck have, the small talk, we're we're up till three in the morning sharing over bond like bonding over trauma. <laughs> like, yeah. And so it was a whole event of people who were amazing fiber artists and there were like multiple very established very impressive very qualified designers there and lots of people who had mortgages so many people were talking about mortgages (laughs) (laughs) and rental or buying house buying in toronto and all of these things that like i could not relate to less (laughs) Um, yeah but then i also dragged you to the it was before it was pals, it was buns. Yes, the buns one, um, which are a whole bunch of amazing people. But also just, I just, yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very fun group at a bar, but it was just, it was a lot of people who already knew each other and. Yeah, that's like a big part of it is trying to like work yourself into an established kind of dynamic. Is and so, so hard. they were so friendly. And yeah, like, like I've never felt unwelcome, but it's also so hard to like say words at people. It's so hard to say words at people, especially because I'm just sad all the time. And I feel like people are probably tired about hearing about how sad I am. <laughs> but there's only something new to be sad about. 
there, there is always something new to be sad about. I, I like to keep it fresh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I find it's increasingly difficult. And especially like with Knit Me, I feel like I, I have a, I have a community online and I have a, a group of people who follow my work and who like my designs and who subscribe to the subscription box. And a lot of that is because of, you know, the way I engage in social media and like my honesty, but about being a disaster queer, but it's really hard to do that in person. And then I feel like people expect me to be a lot more together than I am and to be a lot more cool than I am. And I just, I put too much pressure on myself and I let that get in the way of me engaging with people. So. Like social media and actual socialization like in person are, are so much different because like you can make a post on Instagram and then walk away from your phone while you like deal with the fact that you just put all that out there. That's literally what I do every time. Whereas if you're like in person, you'll be like, oh, this thing happened. And like you immediately have to deal with people's reactions to that and immediately have to start like engaging with it rather than being able to like shut off and walk away. For all of those reasons. Um, I don't know. I just, I want a group. I want to be able to hang out with other awkward disaster queers and let them know that we exist and that we know they exist and we don't all need to be in the same room to be friends and to talk about yarn things. <laughs> right, so we'll make a Ravelry group where we can all just awkwardly sit and watch nobody post. Yeah! Because <laughs> I'm in a number of Ravelry groups and I don't post in them. Same. Because that's terrifying. That's terrifying. The, the succumbing, submitting to the mortifying ordeal of being known. Oh. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> It also just feels like, especially being, I mean, being disabled and being bi, there are two communities that don't get a ton of rep. Um, and so it's nice to just kind of have a voice in all the space, in all the, the queer spaces. And also being Canadian, there's not a lot of Canadian podcasts that I've really found. And I guess not even having a voice in the space, but making your own space. Making your own space. Kind of focusing on all of the intersections too. Mm -hmm. It's because I feel like knitting, I mean, I'm like being autistic, knitting became a spin or like a special interest for me when I first started and I just hyper fixated and I learned everything about everything and got deeply into it very quickly. And it was, a huge part of my life continues to be a huge part of my life for five years but also being um extremely anxious and like having a generalized anxiety disorder and having adhd and all kinds of comorbid, comorbid things with autism like it's also become a coping mechanism and when i hit when i hit i mean during an especially dark time in my mental health um like knitting was such an escape and it was such a way to kind of get out of my head and to just show 
like to have a physical progression of time. So spending on things and then having like a finished object at the end instead rather than just like spending sitting on the couch and just like I've lost an entire day on Netflix and I have nothing to show for it and I don't even know where that time went or what happened like it's just it's a very physical manifest manifestation of my time and it's just it was a huge contributing factor in me kind of learning to to manage my mental health and that's really important. And like so much of my knitwear now is like super silly and super gay. And like I, sh a lot of my like buy clothes I show through my knitwear that I make. And I don't know, like knitting has, has become such a, both a coping mechanism and a form of self-expression. And I think that's really important. And it feels really nice to be visible in those aspects when those aspects of myself don't tend to get a lot of visibility. What do you want out of this podcast, John? Well, I don't know, kind of like what we were saying earlier about like not necessarily having a voice in a space that already exists, but like having our own space. Like something that is not already established that we don't have to work our way into. Like we're establishing it on our own terms. Um and facilitating that and like we can build our own community and i think that's really cool and really like important is to yeah like i want to find that community because i feel like a lot of a lot of the podcasts and stuff that i've come across there's a community around them but they're not my people and that's not to say that they're like unwelcoming or anything, but they're also not people that I can relate to or identify with in the same way that like I can identify and relate to you or hopefully other people who find this podcast and can kind of get something out of it. And even if it's just us and there's nobody else. <laughs> then it's a fun <laughs> project for me to like fixate on when I'm not at work. Yeah. At oh my God, I'm going to stop knitting and just, and just podcast. Oh no. <laughs> but your socks oh, my so and I would love to meet other artistic awkward anxious queer disasters because I'm sure they exist <laughs> so yeah so this is a call if you're an awkward queer anxious knitter or crocheter or <laughs> bi-stitch roll then uh, give us a shout be our, be our friends. Yeah. But don't don't expect anything from us. In the same room. <laughs> <laughs> um. So when did you start knitting? I started knitting when I was like ten ish. My we always used to spend a week with my grandparents in the summer, and my grandmother had this whole like thing of teaching me all the skills I'd need to be a good housewife um like cooking and baking and sewing and collecting things in a hope chest and also knitting um and I was really bad at all of them and the housewife thing is probably not gonna pan out uh but knitting stuck so that was fun um but I kind of I fell off of it for pretty much immediately as soon as I left her house that summer um 
I didn't pick it up again until I was about to be an aunt for the first time. And I had lots of free time and very little money. So I was like, I'll just knit a thing. Um, and then I like relearned how to knit on YouTube. And then I just kept knitting forever. <laughs> but that was like, oh gosh, that was almost five years ago. So yeah, my grandma, when she was teaching me, and even after I retaught myself, and I'd be like showing how I, how I knit. Whenever I do something wrong, she makes this noise. It's like, eh! and it's just, she wouldn't tell me what it was that I was doing wrong. She would just like make this noise to let me know that I was doing something wrong. And it's just every time I knit, I can still hear it in my brain. <laughs> Oof. Um, what about you? I, when I was like really young, I, no more than like 10 or so um like I don't even remember who gave it to me I'm gonna assume it's my grandmother because my grandmother crocheted um but I got like a like a kid's learn to crochet little set mm -hmm. and it came like a little plastic hook and like yarn and a little book and everything and I managed to make a chain and never got any further than like a starting chain I mean, you can, there's a lot you can do with just chain. Yeah. Make a choker. Yeah. Make a headband. A, a belt. A belt, definitely. Drawstring belts, very, very popular. Um, yeah, so I, I never got any further than doing a starting chain. And then um, instead I used the yarn to do corking. Fun. Yeah, my um, grandma also taught me corking. Because, like, I had learned how to make one in um, brownies, like, to use the, like, spool and put the nails in it and stuff. And then I lost that, and then I went to Black Creek Pioneer Village one day, and, like, they had, like, wooden, like, corks, I guess. So I used the yarn in that um, and never considered crocheting again until <laughs> I was, like, I guess I was... 21 22 um so like two days ago yeah just you know i've never actually crocheted before in my life <laughs> everything up so yeah one day um a couple months after my grandmother passed i was like sitting around the living room and i noticed like a, one of her crochet hooks there in my living room. I'm not sure how it ended up in my living room, but I also knew that I had some yarn somewhere from something somebody had given me. Like, I, I don't know why I had that yarn. Um, and I was like, you know what? I could crochet. So I went online and read some articles and I was like, yeah, this, this is fine. And I made a headband with worsted weight yarn using a 1.25 millimeter hook. No, John, that, no, no, that's so bad. It was, How did you even get the hook through it? It was so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it was next to impossible, but I oh made this God, headband. That, that fabric must be like bulletproof. Oh, it, it was, was so, so stiff. <laughs> And it was just like, it was like red heart, like super saver and this like horrible tan color and like 
just nothing about this thing was good. Um, but I made it and I made like a little flower that I like put on it still in the horrible tan. Of course. Um, and my ex wore it. That's love. (laughs) (laughs) If Um, nothing else. And then, so this was like early December and I was like, Oh my God, I'll just crochet all of my Christmas gifts. Oh, rookie mistake. So I went to Walmart and picked up a bunch of different yarns and a better sized hook. Um, and I crocheted like three hats and a few scarves and oh my. like a Wait, you actually headbands. got them all done for Christmas? Oh yeah, I did. Jeez. I got one done like at my dad's place on Christmas Eve for my stepmother for the next day. I have, I'm starting on Christmas presents now, and like I, I can already guarantee you they will not be done. Like it's not gonna happen. It's June. You got a few it's months. Not. How many people are you making Christmas Christmas presents for? Uh, too many. I think I need to start like calling the list. Yeah. I'm sure there's people I don't actually like that I could cut out. Yeah. I'm like I will maybe make three people things four if I'm feeling generous it's weird because I always like I tell myself I'm gonna make people stuff to save money because I am broke um but like that just totally doesn't value the amount of labor that goes into it no and I feel like I end up completely underselling the value of handmade objects by just like trying to do them as gifts cheaply yeah i don't know yeah because like if you're gonna even even like ten dollars an hour plus the cost of materials like even a hat would be you know a hundred bucks yeah (laughs) i always have such a hard time valuing my valuing like stuff that i make people keep trying to get like like commission me and i just I feel so guilty asking for what seems like a ludicrous amount of money, even though it's perfectly valid for the amount of labor and materials and time that goes in. And it's like skilled labor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, this is a thing that I enjoy doing and I would be doing anyway. So it's like, it's easy to kind of undervalue your work when you're thinking about it that way. Okay, so that was when you started crocheting. When did you start knitting? Like a month later. I was like, I can crochet. I might as well knit, too. That was, like, fully mine, too. Yeah. <laughs> so you do one, you might as well do the other. I, I do prefer crochet, though. It is perfectly valid to have a preference. You don't have to be 50-50 split. <laughs> You're still by stitchable. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we take a shot every time we use the... Every time we say the thing. Podcast name? <laughs> Yeah, I. Why did Although, I start crocheting? I don't remember. I'm super hooked on fucking socks now. <laughs> oh my god! No, I'm not hooked on them because I'm not crocheting them. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember why I started crocheting. I, because I did. Okay, so the first like project that I knit, the first ever project that I knit was when I was a hen. It was for my brother, and it was this blanket and I was like I'm gonna knit my brother a blanket 
because I'm a great sister and I'm gonna do that. And for some reason I cast on with like 20 stitches maybe <laughs> with worsted weight. <laughs> and I got bored of looking at the color red. So then I switched to green and then I switched to white and then I switched to blue and then I got bored altogether and I made my grandma bind it off. And so it was this little like, I'm doing a hand motion and you can't see that for in audio, but it was so like, it was like, four inches. Bit, like a hand span. Yeah. It was like four inches by like two and a half inches, this fucking blanket. <laughs> um, and I gave it to him anyway. And I went home last time I was home. I asked him if he still had it and he did. And it was even worse than I remember it being. <laughs> and he still has it. Well, that's um, nice. And so that was like just a garter, garter striped blanket um and then when I started knitting again I did basically the same thing for my niece was a garter uh color work or color stripey blanket um with kind of marbling or marling rather mm-hmm. didn't know anything about gauge didn't know yeah. anything about fiber content I just picked colors that I thought looked nice from stuff that was on sale at uh, Michael's it was not a great blanket <laughs> Oh, yeah, like, I figured things out pretty quickly after that whole debacle with the headband. Um, I, I learned about cage and stuff. Um, I, I was using a plastic crochet hook to do like a, um, a hat or something with like two strands of worsted held together and Oof. broke the crochet hook like just Hardcore. just snapped it yeah i was just like you know crocheting so furiously that i was just fucking melt the thing um my first knit project was super great um i don't know if this is actually the first one but it's the first one of my ravelry and i'm pretty sure that it's the first thing the first knit project in my yeah it says my first ever knit project in the ravelry so what do you know um cool. i started making a hat and then i got bored of making a hat i was like i wonder if i could turn this into a sweater for my cat and i did that dang <laughs> so it's a like a burgundy and like cream striped cat sweater that my cat fucking hated oh no but i bet it looked amazing oh he was so fashion <laughs> oh what a model yeah, so I, I learned how to do decreases, and there was some ribbing that I was just really hated so much. But that is ambitious, and it looks so good. <laughs> and I still have it somewhere, because I, I have a photo of Kaiju wearing it, too. Yes. Um, but I don't know. Perfect. It's not on the Ravelry. It's not on my computer. My, so after that first blanket, I didn't, I hated it so much. It took me... She was born in September. I didn't finish it until, and I started in whatever six months before September is. And <laughs> I didn't finish it until December. So it ended up being a Christmas present, and it was not worth the wait. Um, but I just like, I don't like projects that are super monotonous and also long. Like, I just want like the immediate satisfaction of just having a thing that's done. I didn't do another blanket until my, her sister was born, my second niece. And I ended up using like Pima cotton, um, 
and I did the ABC blanket from the nitpicks website and it was just like this beautiful like heathered gray super soft cotton intricate design um baby blanket for her sister and I've always felt guilty that she's just gonna grow up and think that I like her sister way more because like her. <laughs> <laughs> her blanket was garbage <laughs> I guess that just goes to show what a couple of years of practice I'm sure she'll appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> that marked improvement that I have. She, she can see like the trajectory of your like knitting career. <laughs> yeah, I've, I prefer doing blankets with squares. Oh, they're so tedious. Actually, you know, I started that like quilt blanket, like with the squares that are like on a diagonal of like two different colors. Yes. I started that when lockdown started, basically. Oh. Uh, so that was, what, mid-March? My cafe closed on the 16th. I started this blanket, like, two days later and, like, finished, like, 36 squares or something within, like, a couple days, like, the first block of it in a couple days. And now I'm working on the fourth block, and I just, I just can't come over it. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I really want it to be done by the end of June, but now I'm on like a sock kick and I'm like, I don't want to touch that stupid blanket. <laughs> How has quarantine affected your ability to work like in fiber, like fiber specific work? In the month that I wasn't working, all I did was like knit and crochet, mostly crochet because I was doing like emigurumi. And I just like, now I have a shelf full of amigurumi that I did while I was like locked down. Um, but then the cafe opened again and that took over my life again. And so I have been doing less, but like um, I made a dino corn from some book that I have, like some fantasy creatures book. Um, I made for the boss, and like it only took a couple of days. I made a hat for one of the kids at work. It's like I've still been doing things, but and I made a whole pair of socks. That's really impressive. <laughs> that is extremely impressive, especially because it was your first time. I was very pleased. Started another one. This time I'm going to do the um, short row heels instead of the heel flap. Because I really just an excellent call. Yeah, in my opinion, oh, I did a heel flap one, and I will never again. I had this like really nice, like I think the colorway was called like cherry pie, um, yeah. fingering weight that I made like a really sh shitty scarf with for someone <laughs> back six years ago or something. Like one of one of the girls from Hooters asked me for a scarf and I was like sure and the only thing she said she, like the only attribute she she offered that she wanted was that it should be red sure. so I ended up with this yarn so I still have a bit of that so I'm using that for like the cuff and the heels and the toes Ooh, fun. I have a bit of the lichen and lace left from the big gray and purple shawl I just did so it's like a nice light gray 
Oh, that's super lovely. They look great together. Yeah. Everything looks good with gray. It's true. It is true. I've been very inspired by your productivity in quarantine. <laughs> I it's like all I, I feel like I've had the exact opposite and I just I don't I'm having such a hard time like committing to projects now. And like at the beginning of quarantine, a whole bunch of designers were doing um, like free patterns on Rav as like with like this code stay home. Um, so I filled out my lab, Rav, Rav library um, with all of these amazing like cable work sweaters and like intricate lace and color work and all of these like amazing projects I was going to do with all of this time at home. And I just haven't been able to do any of it. And I've cast it on like, I would say probably three different complicated projects that I thought would keep my mind busy. And I just keep putting them down in favor of more simple, like single stitch, easy pattern stuff. Cause it's easier to kind of like, just let your mind go when you're doing that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Like I don't want to focus too heavily on anything. Yeah. I mean, that is how I ended up with this entire knit outfit that nobody can see. But listeners, I promise you, it's very good. <laughs> Rainbow cotton. It's the, um, yeah, it was the. The Karen cotton cakes? Yes, that we bought at Michael's. And I've been saving them for something super silly and definitely gay. But I couldn't find the perfect pattern. So I, I've been like sitting on it for like a year now. Um, and then Jesse May, who is my freaking favorite designer of all time um at least a pattern for booty shorts which i am all about so i made the i made her ripple booty shorts and then a matching ripple crop top worsted so i have a rainbow like picture mini eggs but gayer <laughs> is the kind of color scheme I'm working with. And it's a crop top sweater with long sleeves and booty shorts with a high waist and drawstring. And I crocheted and matching scrunchie. <laughs> because I am bistitual. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's June. And it's so June. Just... So I can bring out all of my silly rainbow nibs. <laughs> I, I, after you pointed out that the um, shawl I did was like super ace, yeah. I ordered more yarn to do it in the trans flag colors and in the bi flag colors. Amazing. I'm gonna get super bored of this pattern, but I will I will be super represented. Are you gonna wear all three of them at once? Obviously. Of course you'd have to like um like a wrap. Oh yes. Like a, like a skirt wrap thing, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Sarong. And sarong. Is that okay? Sure. Um and you can wear because it's a crescent shawl, right? Yeah. So you can tie the ends, like the very ends behind your neck, and it will drape down to be a halter. A very so, low V halter. It's so long, though. Okay, then you can like wrap it around your neck and do like a, cho- like a choker look and then the I think the I think the other one, like I took a photo of me wearing it and like had wrapped it around like three or four times or something. Like it's massive. It's going to be so hot. Uh, yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> Uh, so yeah now I'm like I just want everything to be prideful I've determined to go through all of my pride stash that I have 
which is like a specific section, I would say about a third of my ludicrously large stash is just like various rainbow or pride flag color yarn that I buy like one-offs of. And then now I have this whole stack of like rainbow buy yarn and none of it goes together at all because they're all different tones. <laughs> but that just means that it goes together perfectly. Does it? I mean, yeah, it does, in, if you just have like different articles of like clothing and stuff and they're each just a different rainbow, then like it's perfect, right? <laughs> I feel like that's like the very specific disaster queer flag that I I need to represent. <laughs> just so many rainbows and none of them go together. Like like but, um know, like a giant right. glitch. Yeah. A glitch in the rainbow. I think that's where we fit in nicely. <laughs> <laughs> It's just too many, too many flags to incorporate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And too many straight lines in those flags. Yeah, definitely need a bunch. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I just ordered some rainbow yarn too. I'm very excited to see it. I'm working um, on a um a buy yet another buy sweater. I'm doing a pattern test for um. Spruce Lane Knits, and it's a just like a top-down colorwork sweater. And I'm using Knit Picks Chroma in a very beautiful bi-gradient. That was like the first yarn I ever, it was my first ever not Michael's yarn. <laughs> it was very exciting, and I've been sitting on it for years because it was too precious and too perfect of a gradient for me to waste on something. and. I feel like it's time to just finally use it. Yeah, I love the amount of things that I'm like, I love this and it's too perfect to ever use for anything. And then they just sit there. It's like I went into making that giant shawl with the intention of using that like golden yarn that I got. Yeah. And then I didn't use it. It's also because I didn't want to have to wind it. I mean, that is fair. Because like I don't have a Swift or anything. That is fair. You can do a thing over, you can do it over your knees or a... I do it over like two chairs and then with oh, the like... Um, that makes much more sense. Paper towel roll or like the toilet paper roll so that I can do like Ooh. a center pull. But like it still took like an hour last time I did that with fingering weight. And my wrist started hurting and the cat was trying to attack it and it was just... Ah, <laughs> uh, hijinks. <laughs> what else? Mm. What else are you working on? What else am I working on? What else am I working on? I made my brother socks for Christmas. And they didn't fit because I didn't check my gauge because I figured I've been knitting for long enough. I'm a pattern designer. I'm an expert dinner. I don't need to check my gauge. This is fine. I can just do it. They did not fit. Um, and I told him I would have them done, read, like I would fix them within the week and get them back to him. And I still have not done that. So they were sitting on the top of my whip pile, judging me. Yeah, and I'm sure you're just gonna put other things on top of them. 100%, just drawing out the judginess. Yeah, I've offered to make Sam um, socks. So I like, I was trying to get him to try on the first pair that I made, but I've been wearing them all day. I was like, no, it's okay, fine, <laughs> just try them on. So I know, and he's like, no, oh, that's okay, thanks. 
I mean, that's totally reasonable because I also use socks. I don't know whose socks you can try on. (laughs) But also, like once he had put them on, I wouldn't have wanted to touch them anymore. (laughs) So I don't know if he's gonna get socks. Fair. I mean, you know, you could just go based on shoe size, right? Yeah, but like, uh, yeah. Just like ask him to measure his feet and get back to me with the numbers. The um, Fish Lips Kiss heel is the first pattern I ever bought, and it has been the best dollar I've ever spent in my entire life. Fish Lips? Fish Lips Kiss heel. And she's this designer who just uh, devoted like so much of her life to studying commercial socks and why they're different than how they're different than knit socks and how we can make knit socks that have all the attributes of commercial socks. Just like um, the range of feet that they fit perfectly, whereas knit socks don't super have that. And she broke it down into minuscule detail and you don't have to read all the information. I just found that super interesting. Um, But the point of it is that one, she does a super easy short row heel that is, like interchangeable with any pattern and it doesn't have uh, wrap and turns, which are horrible and I hate them. Um, this one's way easier, but she also has a method for tracing. You make a tra- um, model, uh, ah, template. You trace a template of a person's foot and you take two or three measurements on the like the cutout that you do. Um, and then you can make perfect, like perfectly fit socks based on that which I did not do for my brothers, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I did for all of mine, and mine all fit great. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Well, because yeah. she wants it to be accessible to anyone, and it's just, like, truly, I have never spent a better dollar in my life. I'm, I'm intrigued. And it works for any gauge, um, and she shows you how to, like, how to do the math, so if you have yarn that you like then you find needles that you like and you can find a pattern that you like and then she just she breaks down all the math for just making perfect fit socks with whatever combination of attributes you want i'm into it the last couple days have been very rough so i just stayed up all night and knit and then stayed in bed all day and alternated between napping and knitting that is very relatable (laughs) i once finished an entire sweater in two and a half days (laughs) I have never made a sweater. I started making a sweater. I got the entire body done in like less than a week and I was very proud of myself because I'm not, uh, I don't self-identify as a knitter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then I started doing the arms and I got pissed off because I was using double points and I I just got tired of poking myself. Dude, just magic loop. I don't have needles for it. Well, that's a bummer. Because <laughs> your like, life would be so much easier. <laughs> oh my god, doing that magic cast on with the DPNs yesterday, I was getting it. I was getting it. And then I dropped a stitch and I like brought it back up and I was like, okay, no, I got this. And then the needle fell out. And then I dropped another <laughs> stitch and I was like, fuck it. I mean, I, I understand the, the frustration, but your, your text disparaging Judy and her magic cast on were deeply upsetting to me. <laughs> 
It was really funny because like Sam comes into the room and I'm like fiddling around with like all of like <laughs> fucking five needles and like this thread of a yarn that like I dug up out of my trunk that I haven't touched in six years or whatever. <laughs> um apparently i had started crocheting with it and like just tucked it back into the center like into the center and just put it back in my trunk six years ago sure <laughs> so like i pulled that out um and like i was like okay i'm gonna do this and sam walks into the room and like i'm like just and he's like what are you doing i'm like judy's magic cast on and he's like how's that going i'm like fuck judy <laughs> like I, I have used that cast on for at least four, maybe five of the like fourteen designs I published in the last year. <laughs> I, I can see year, no I can see why it would be a good method to use. Um if you weren't using DPNs and had never done it before and was trying to like do it for the first time ever with dpns i could see how it would be useful oh toe up socks are such a dream because you just try them on as you go you get that perfect fit every time yeah. you could try doing just using two dpns and like casting on two dpns and then just knitting with the third until it's like big enough that you can split it onto four it was a little tricky Mm. I was trying to do that. I tried. I tried a number of times. I. That's fair. <laughs> I'm sorry for your frustration. It's fine. That's okay. I got. I got the cuff down. It's pretty easy. I'm, I'm very happy with this gray. gay do crafts okay let's talk about what be gay do crafts means so there's this meme <laughs> actually you know what let me look up know your meme oh you do love research oh shit i put be gay do crafts i meant to do crime mm -hmm, mm -hmm. be gay do crime uh, a catchphrase, be gay, do crime, is a catchphrase and protest slogan used by activist members and allies of the LGBTQIA plus community, promoting freedom from discrimination on the basis of sexual, orienta sexual orientation and being non-cisgender. Uh, yeah. Uh, the phrase existed prior to its appearance online. The earliest known reference was posted on Instagram by user absent object on September 15th, 2016. The post features words, be gay, do crime, spray painted onto a wall in Marseille, France. Hmm. So that's, I didn't know that's where it started. Um, that's so bad. The photo has, oh, three days later, the Tumblr account, Queer Graffiti, featured the photograph, which received more than 58,000 notes in three years. Dang. So I guess that's where it originated um so we have co-opted it co-opted it yeah i love it the gay do crafts is definitely not something we came up with but it's something that we 
embrace embrace wholeheartedly as being gay and doing crafts are i would i i feel confident speaking for us both saying they are our favorite things <laughs> and cats and cats anyway be gay do crafts be gay do crafts um i feel like that's especially important or especially relevant and important right now with just all of the the protests and the um, kind of climate, social climate right now, and the focus on social justice and racial justice and defunding police, defunding the police, which is definitely something that affects the queer community as well. Um, I mean, obviously, we're both we are both white, so we can't speak to quite the the severity of the racial tensions and the the racialized violence that queer folk of color experience from the police but the the sentiment is very much there that queerness and activism is extremely important and it's worth talking about the first pride was a riot first pride was a riot started by a queer trans woman of color Specifically a black trans woman. So we owe her a lot. Yeah. Your your pride has to be kind of intersectional. You can't support one community and leave one other the other like or not the other. Leave others behind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even with all of the, the like queer activism, just it's it's kind of the white queers and a lot specifically like white cis queers who get a lot of the attention and that completely marginalizes and erases like the the voices who kind of need to be heard the most, which are trans folks and trans folks of color and kind of communities that we can't speak to but very much want to support mm -hmm. um and especially like there oh and there's been a lot of conversations about that in the fiber community it's specifically in the last few probably the last like six months um yeah, well, there was that whole thing like a year was it a year ago i have no concept of time anymore no like 2020 has lasted approximately five years um but yeah, there's there's been a lot of conversation in the fiber community about like race and and visibility and um I know especially in the last couple of weeks or in the last week or so, um there's been a lot of like on Instagram in particular, I've noticed um like white makers and crafters using their platform to boost like makers and crafters of color and like that can't just be now like it's one thing to to support people of color but you can't just do it for brownie points mm -hmm. like in a couple of weeks you can't just be like unfollowing these people or whatever you like you've diversified your timeline in the wake of the protests but like 
it has to be more than things you scroll past. Like, uh, I think the sustainability of it, I think, is something that we need to focus on. For sure. And after it was like, it was last year, I think, um, last spring, I feel like the, um, there was that whole thing with Ravelry where they banned any conversations around white supremacy, yeah. um, which kind of gave a platform to a conversation that was much needed and had been happening in a less prolific way um, about diversity within the fiber community and how makers of colors and dyer of color were were not given are are very rarely given the same um, the same attention and the same platform that their white peers and colleagues get and the I don't know if you remember it from that time but like the the vitriol on Instagram was just wild and I because I've never used Ravelry for the forums ever so like I I had no idea that any of these issues existed within the community and Ravelry being like kind of the biggest platform that our community has I, I can't think of one that would be bigger um apparently like makers of color were constantly being shot down and shot out of forums and community groups because of the race and because of a um, prioritization of white voices and the I don't know, comforting white fragility, basically. Um, and it made Ravelry an incredibly violent and oppressive space in a way that I had no idea existed, which is, I mean, as a cis white person, like I don't have an excuse, like that, I, there's no excuse for kind of not noticing that that's going on. and. I've been trying to engage more consciously with the community since then. Um, but to but to your point of like performative allyship and kind of just following a bunch of people right now to feel better. I remember like kind of in the wake of that, a bunch of makers of color were making posts being uncomfortable, saying like, you know, I sure I have like hundreds of thousands of, or hundreds and and or thousands of new followers now, but like why are you actually following me? Like, are you interested in my work or are you just here because it looks good for your timeline, looks good for your following feed? And kind of a lot of it rings, a lot of the ways that white folks can try to be supportive can ring hollow. Um, and I think that conversation hasn't ever really ended and shouldn't end anytime soon. Um, no. Yeah, and, and this right now is just, I feel like a continuation of that on a much grander scale like even outside of the fiber community and stuff like there's there's a lot of talk about like giving support to black owned business and stuff like that and it's it's all well and good to do it now but like do it all the time yeah do it always they're always important yeah black lives always matter exactly. black lives are always important black businesses are always important black designers and dyers and makers are always important yeah, so. And we can put some resources in the show notes for kind of specific fiber related folks to, and initiatives to check out. So I guess, yeah, that was just kind of our acknowledgement of the fact that we're a couple of white kids doing a podcast and, mm -hmm. and 
it, it does seem like a kind of trivial thing to be doing in the midst of everything that's going on right now. But that also doesn't mean that we, like it's, it, life goes on mm -hmm. and we still kind of want to find our own spaces with the acknowledgement that it's not the most pressing thing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because what else do you do in quarantine but start a podcast? I can't even imagine how many podcasts have started within the last three months. It's podcast season. Podcast season. Thank you for listening to our first ever episode of Bisitual Podcast. Um, you can find us online at bisitual.ca. We're on Instagram as at bisitual podcast. Um, you can find me, John, on Instagram as at underscore dangerous John, on Ravelry as dangerous John. You can find Kelsey on Ravelry as Kelsey Grammar, and on Instagram as Kelsey Grammar23. Uh, thanks again, and hopefully we'll do this again in a couple weeks. <laughs>